Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. This upcoming May would make 18 years, which means almost two decades serving as lead pastor, but... For the first 10 years or even maybe 11 years, I was anti-deliverance. I was against it. I didn't believe in it. I preached against it. I thought it was heresy. I would say that deliverance ministers were borderline her- uh, heretics, uh, sensational fanaticism, until my church exploded with an immense amount of growth. And I genuinely didn't know what to do because I knew that they were converted, but they were still bound. And I guess through a series of events, the Lord took me through in my desperation. I ended up needing deliverance myself. So the reason why I am in this deliverance ministry is not because I'm anything special. It's because I'm deliverance's number one client. Did you guys not catch what I just said? I am Deliverance's number one client. Deliverance is the only ministry of the graces in the Christian church that can keep this beast tame. Literally, God set me free, and I started out like this. I'm just going to take my leaders through deliverance. I never set out to be the voice for deliverance or a pioneer or trailblazer. I just wanted to see my leaders get set free. And we started off telling my leaders, don't tell nobody. But just as the blind man, you know, that Jesus said, don't tell nobody, they they went and told their friend. And then their friend told their friend. And the next thing you know, we had people coming in just saying, Pastor, I heard one of your, your members and one of your leaders, that they're my best friend, that you took them through deliverance. I didn't know what we were doing. We were making a lot of trial and error. But nevertheless, God met me in my place of ignorance, just like Joshua, because he prayed for the sun to stand still. But the sun don't stand still. The, the earth rotates around the sun. God met Joshua in his place of ignorance. God met me in my place of ignorance. And then we just started seeing people delivered, set free. And then the internet came along and then that got highlighted. And then here we are and the rest is history. So that's kind of like where we started. Anti-deliverance to now a leading voice in deliverance. That's so incredible. How many of you guys are excited to be here? You know, the gloves are off already. I'm in Queens. Alexander, where are you at right now? I'm in the Bronx. In the Bronx, man. See, the anointing is real strong in New York City right now. (laughs) (laughs) Got the devil on the run in New York. You know what? I wanted to shout out everybody who's watching, though, because there's so many of you that have just been encouraged by seeing us for come together in unity tonight to present this. And I I really, you know, people say things are historic. They say that they're legendary. But I can tell you there have been many times where myself, I've been on a broadcast and I heard something that maybe I never heard before. And it changed the very course and the direction of my life forever. As a matter of fact, I was born and raised on the south side of Chicago in Northwest Indiana. And as a teenager, I begin to encounter demonic manifestations in my own home. You know, I guess what the world would call poltergeist type activity. And, you know, I think some of us here know the theology and then some of us have the experience. And whether that was fighting it directly or it fighting you, but it just really started me on a journey uh, to, to learn more about it. And now as a senior pastor, so I pastor a great church called V1 Church, and we launched three locations in three years. 
in a region that they call the graveyard of churches. And I kept telling everybody, uh, you know, that, that told me that phrase that you got to see what Jesus does in graveyards. It's really, Come really on. cool. Come on. <laughs> but the thing about it is like, as now as a senior pastor, people just started manifesting like crazy. And I want to just throw this out here right off this, the jump. Here's the thing. And when you have that moment where Jesus resurrected and this angelic messenger said, hey, Mary, are you here for the Jesus of Nazareth? It's because there were many people parading around as the Messiah pretending to be mm. Jesus. But wherever the true Jesus is, you're going to see demonic manifestation. Wow. And so for us, it's just like we bring Jesus into an environment and people start manifesting. So I got my all my church watching right now and some of them have got some crazy stories to tell. But, man, we're excited to be here. So awesome. Love it. Go for it, Vlad. Um, Vlad um, from Pascal, Washington. Um, I became a youth pastor at the age of uh, 16. Um, there was nobody else uh, there. So just it was just a group of young cousins. And honestly, I've experienced demonic um i got addicted to pornography at the very tender age i think about 13 or 14 years of age and i really thought it was just a flesh problem and then um after a while i started fasting and praying as a teenager and i started to feel something not right with me and then later on honestly through books through teachings of um teachings of jack hayford Derek prince and some other ones i started to recognize that actually i have a demonic i didn't know whether it was demon inside of me outside of me attached to me chained to me i don't know i just knew one thing i needed to be free and i couldn't be free from this addiction until i am delivered from that demon and so when i personally experienced deliverance and then i saw the change in my purity and in my walk with god then we started to um, see people getting saved in their youth ministry and i remember i was 17 years of age so within about a year year and a half into the youth ministry when one guy got saved and after the service they're explaining his problems and ta -da -da, and he made a deal with the devil and so i let him i, I knew enough uh, through the teachings of different men of god uh, that you know that's a serious offense and you don't have to just repent you actually have to renounce that so when i let him through the prayer of renouncing he started manifesting and pretty much from that point on um, it became a regular thing when we would lead people to Christ and then they would be delivered. One thing led to another. My pastor is really, my uncle who is the founding pastor, is really the pioneer of that drive and that pursuit and that encouragement for us never to lose sight of deliverance ministry. I mean, and we started to ever since then um, do weekly deliverances in our services. Then now we do a monthly services. And this in the last six years, every single last Sunday of the month, people come from different parts of united states uh, for prayer for deliverance and then we started to do deliverance conferences race to deliver and other other things and stuff so i'm a huge component i am very refreshed in the last two years seeing different young men and young women yeah. whom god is raising up and honestly i almost for a while felt alone felt like mm -hmm. um, misunderstood criticized thrown under the bus uh, made fun of uh, for this ministry but because I see how many hurting people, they cannot find a solution in any other way. Come on. I was willing to endure that. And people always said, hey, aren't you scared the devil's going to attack you? I said, honestly, no. But I found Come out on. the ministry of deliverance, the devil doesn't fight you back. It's the children of God that fight you back. Yes. <laughs> Nobody prepared me for that. You know, I was always like on alert, you know, when we did deliverance or something, the next day the devil's going to come and attack me. And he never came and attacked me. It's the Christians that did. Yep. And so, but now being 
surrounded by um, brothers and you guys, you know, that I'm not the only one and just kind of honestly feeling that support and feeling that encouragement. I really appreciate you, Isaiah and Alexander and Mike and many others that are honestly standing uh, together, holding hands together, mm. saying, hey, we got this. We're not alone in mm. this. And we, we got each other's back. And so really, really appreciate you guys. And, you know, I want to say, Vlad, how much the devil hates unity. I was thinking about tonight and I was like, man, I already know we're going to have to do a part two because I already just feel it. But then I was thinking how much the devil hates when men of God are not striving, mm. are not competing, are not worried about platforms. Yeah. One thing I've felt since the beginning, I've told all three of you this, bringing you on, I was like, I want everyone from my following, from my platform to get on your guys' stuff. I have no I want to grow everybody's platform and and so for me like I know that when we come in unity hell trembles when we come in unity deliverance breaks out and I know me freshly getting saved full of the Holy Spirit I went from being an atheist getting radically saved everyone pretty much knows my story I remember it was three maybe two to four days I don't know the exact day after getting saved I was full of the Holy Ghost I was speaking in tongues I was radically different but I was having the most perverted thoughts you can ever imagine when i say perverted i mean so perverted that i knew it was a demon i was like this has to be a demon because it's so bizarre so perverted and this is what the devil often does when demons hide when they get exposed they overplay their hand and so you know like these emotions these feelings these desires are so abnormal i know there's many of you watching right now that have abnormal desires abnormal emotions abnormal ocd uh whatever you want to call it and you're like this has to be a demon there's no way i could live like i could just bear to live like this and so i started seeking deliverance and here's i think one of the major problems and we're just going to speak to pastors leaders here is when we start saying believers can't have demons because here's what happens guys like me let me just use my own testimony so we don't have to argue about it they have a demon and they know there's a demon i'm getting these thoughts i've been full of the holy ghost i know i'm saved but i need freedom and so thank god i tried doing self-deliverance many of you heard the story i was in my college parking lot growling screaming in my little honda civic i went to work i was trying to talk about god i was barking and growling while i'm making starbucks i was working at starbucks while i'm making lattes i'm growling trying to talk about god so i didn't know what to do i didn't know how to get help and i remember my little sister who actually invited me to church the lord said just go home tell your little sister to cast him out of you so i said okay I told my little sister you're just gonna command them to leave and they're gonna all leave and my little sister casted over 10 demons out of me and radically changed my life but the problem is is you have a guy like me goes to a pastor and says oh Christians can't have demons so you're telling me I have demons like you don't have to tell you can't tell me I don't so am I not a Christian so I really think in Alexander I wanted to, to just intro on this I heard you do a video on this recently because this is big. I know there's a lot of pastors in the chat. There's a lot of them watching. There's 3,300 people. So I know there's people all over the place. Here's what I want to do as we start this. Let's switch the conversation off of arguing theology, debating concepts, principles. Uh, oh, that's just emotion. That's just experience. And all these debates of, is it your soul? Is it your spirit? What about the th- compartment of this? Let's take all that off the table and let's ask this one question. I heard you say this, Alexander, change the way I look at deliverance. Let's ask this simple question to every pastor, every leader, every future pastor, church leader watching. This is the question we have to ask. Do you want to see people get set free? That's the bottom line. Forget about, can a Christian have a demon? Can they have a soul tie curse? Do we want to see people get delivered? Do we want to see people free? And are you tired of looking at the same people in your church that are bound and bound that have demons, but we're not willing to confront it? And I want to say this, and I'll pass it over to one of you guys can go here. I'm seeing right now, and you guys can give your take on this, pastors and leaders that are in, a lot of them are in large churches, I'll just say that, which praise the Lord for large churches, I'll just say guys that would never ever be interested or never even give thought to deliverance are saying, 
Holy Spirit has been revealing to me, I need to start seeing deliverance in my church. I was at a church recently, 25 years, they've been around thousands of members, and they said, we've never done deliverance, we've never even been open to it, but all of a sudden now, the pastor's saying, the Holy Spirit is telling me, you need to be a place of deliverance. And this is all throughout America, other parts of the world. So I want you guys to touch on this too, but I'm seeing God, the Holy Spirit, is breaking out in deliverance revival all throughout America. So I want to encourage some of you pastors, and I want to prophesy over you, deliverance is coming to your house. This is not you just got on this broadcast by accident. Deliverance is coming to your house in Jesus' name. Just watch. You're going to get up there on Sunday morning, try to preach your average, normal three-point message, praise the Lord for you, and all the sudden people are going to start getting freedom people are going to start manifesting deliverance is going to break out the power and the hand of god is going to be released in jesus name so maybe you guys just talk about what you're seeing some of these pastors now that are open kind of what god's been doing lately with it well the first thing um the pastors are we need to understand is this that god has used this current crisis and pandemic that we Mm -hmm. are in to get our pastors and leaders who are genuinely called to the ministry a return back to god there's yeah. been a, a pursuit. There's been a deep pursuit. Maybe not in all churches, but the vast majority of churches, mm-hmm. there's been some deep self-reflection, some really mm-hmm. analyzing and a returning back to God. Now, mm-hmm. as the churches, specifically pastors and leaders, return back to God, they're, they're, they, they're seeking what is called the kingdom. They're trying to return back to the kingdom. And when you crash course into the kingdom, the first mm-hmm. and only initial sign that the kingdom has arrived or is arriving or is coming to your house is the ministry of deliverance. And this is scriptural. Matthew chapter 12, where Jesus said, if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then surely the kingdom of God is come upon you. So the first initial sign that the kingdom is beginning to arrive back in a church is there's going to be confrontation demonic Mm -hmm. confrontation to the powers that have been there for a long time Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. the ministry of deliverance is a ministry of interference it's a Mm -hmm. ministry of interference it's not one of these things like the presence of god shows up and then demons manifest no the ministry of deliverance goes sniffs out finds out where the devil is at and Mm -hmm. challenges them and say you've been here for too long Mm -hmm. and they curse the fig tree at the root the kingdom is offensive not defensive Mm -hmm. what we've been saying for too long is evangelicalism on the defensive side the Mm -hmm. defensive side but when the kingdom has arrived it is on the Mm -hmm. offensive which means we attack the devil the spirit of god confronts the devil or reveals the devil where Mm -hmm. they are hiding so watch this when the kingdom shows up god does not ask the pastor's permission to manifest Mm-hmm. When it's the kingdom, when it's religion, well, we could tell somebody that ain't a demon, take them to the back room, stop that, my brother, that's the flesh. That We could do all of that. But when the kingdom arrived, the king does not ask permission to manifest. The kingdom forcibly advances because the violent take it by force. God's kingdom is violent, not for the sake of being violent, but it's violent against the kingdom of darkness. So, mm-hmm. so I'm not surprised that churches that normally would not be seeking deliverance, but it have, if they have been seeking the kingdom and the pastor's heart has been soft to that and returning back to that, we're going to see the first initial sign that the kingdom is manifested. And it is the expelling of the demonic. Good. I think Honestly, I think that what's I'm I'm so so with you. I think another thing is that a lot of things what's happening is that when we believe, when we begin to please people, uh, we will run from the ministry of deliverance. The mm. biggest reason why uh, deliverance does not happen is because we as pastors we please people. 
And so the moment we stop pleasing people and we start serving people and we seek to only please God and honestly lay down our dignity, lay down our reputation and understand one thing is that Jesus did five things. He preached, he taught, he healed, he delivered, he made disciples. And that's it. That, that's all we have to do. We, we do really good at teaching. We do really good at preaching. Uh, we do. We believe in healing, especially uh, those Pentecostals and Charismatics. And we're all for, you know, making disciples. Not, not a lot of times we make them, but we, we're all for it. And then when it comes to the issue of deliverance, what I found out is a lot of times instead of slaying demons, we slay people. Today, it's a really cool thing in the charismatic circles to for people to be slain under the power. And I'm not against that. I'm all for it, all manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I just don't see Jesus going and hitting multitudes and they're all falling. I see demons falling. I see people's problems falling. And I think what happened is that instead of slaying principalities, we slay people. And people mm. get up. They got slain. They got hit. We pick them up. And this is the great power of God when people are being slain. Now, the real great power of God is if the demon is slain and the person gets up now completely different. We had a person who had a sleep apnea, lived all, all her life with sleep apnea with that machine. It came at first time to our church prayer line and then the demon manifested. She didn't even, she was shocked of what happened. We led her to the Lord after that. She was completely healed of sleep apnea. Even her problem with the heart was cured after that. Deliverance solves a lot of things. And I remember King Saul, when King Saul spared the Amalekite king, and Samuel confronted him and he said, how dare you spare the enemy of God? And he said, well, people, people, people. He kept referencing people. And I think a lot of times when we spare the enemy of God, the enemy of God's people, the demons, the spirit of fear, the Leviathan spirit, the spirit of Python, and we spare them, we spare them for the sake of we're afraid of what people will think. But God called us as pastors to lead our people, not to please our people. He called us to be first and foremost followers of His. And I think a lot of times we're so obsessed with being good leaders that we forget we're supposed to be good followers. And our example is not, and I'm not going to name the popular leaders or church growth gurus right now in the United States. Our example is Jesus Christ. Yeah. He preached, he taught, he healed the sick, he cast out demons, and he made disciples. And so we have to obey the Lord and stop dissing on people when they come up and saying, I have a demon. I've never seen in the Gospels where uneducated, people who never went to a seminary came up to Jesus and, and they said, my son has a demon because he has epilepsy. And Jesus didn't say, uh, I don't think so. He has a mental problem. Jesus never made fun or doubted the account of parents when they claim that their kids had demons. When parents come today to a pastor, what happens is many times we're like, no, take him to a mental doctor, take him to the psychiatrist, take him to this and that, instead of dealing with the root issue. And a lot of times it's because we really have embraced people pleasing instead of pleasing God. And this for this grieves the movement of the Holy Spirit to confront the demonic. Not, not, only, not only that, Pastor Vlad, I think another reason why uh, pastors, or at least why I would shy away from the ministry of deliverance was because I think deep in the heart of every pastor, they know that if I go down this trail of praying for this person's son, we're not going home in an hour and a half. I, I think awesome. it's the time frame. Folks want to have the service. They want to do the babysitting Chuck E. Cheese, Willy Wonka service, and then just kind of go home after the playground, merry-go-round church service. But they mm. know that once they decide and say, well, bring your son over here, let me pray for them. They know deep in their heart 
that this potential case could literally go from five minutes to five hours. And folks, I think that they just really just want to go home. But there is a generation of pastors that are watching me. You are getting away from this clock, this demon called time, and you're embracing this heart and compassion for the people and to help them and stay with them no matter how long it takes to help them get delivered and set free. And I want to encourage you that that is God calling you and motivating you to the ministry of deliverance. But I think that that's one of the main reasons that's connected to people pleasing. The second one is, is that I just want to preach. I want to do my little salvation altar call and I want to go home. I want to watch the game. I want to go wash some clothes. Nothing wrong with those things. But deliverance is literally spiritual surgery. And sometimes it could be done in five minutes and other times it's going to take five hours. And I think people run because they know that it might require them to step outside of themselves and just spend some time with people until they get a breakthrough. Pray with people until they get a breakthrough rather than saying a prayer. Because there's a difference Mm -hmm. between saying a prayer and then praying with someone until they get a breakthrough. This is so good. Yeah, You know, here's the thing. I'm in New York City. During this pandemic, churches have closed their doors because they had to. Financially, they fell apart, whatever. But there are psychic mediums and their buildings are open and they're thriving. You go on TikTok and there's an actual category for the hashtag witch talk. See, the need and the desire for the spiritual and the spiritual realm is increasing. And it's it's crazy to me to think about how few pastors are meeting that need with the true wow. unadulterated things of God. But then how many you have Instagram influencers in the makeup industry. I've been saying this for the last year. They are paid. They're paying these influencers for posts of promotion for makeup. And behind it is paganism. Behind it is the occult. And it's crazy to me that pastors are saying, well, man, I don't want to get weird. Well, just scroll through TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. It's already weird. We need freedom. We need breakthrough. And here's what I think is is beginning to transact right now. And I've been waiting for this day because I'm with Vlad. I felt alone for a long time in this. And I felt like people didn't understand. People didn't get it. But they, they understood the results. And there's a lot of pastor that loves, they love the fruit of deliverance, but they don't want to work in that field. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, so man, so I love how free your people are at this church. I'm like, well, how do you think it happened? We've got bags full of vomit. We've got napkins and paper Come towels on. everywhere from cleaning up the bile and the, Income. it's messy, but birth is messy and it brings forth new life. Yes. Deliverance is messy, but it'll put you in another season. Mm-hmm. And you'll say, man, this is, this is the, the era of my life. I can't tell you how many Christians I met that have gotten deliverance and said, I always knew there was something missing. Come on, I come always on. knew there was something more. Wow. I always knew. And I've heard that so many times that it's like, like you said, uh, Isaiah, I don't even have the theological discussion anymore <laughs> yeah. about whether or not they can have it. I'm just like, well, how many people do you want to meet that have lived on the other Say side it. of that freedom? And I think the question we have to ask too, and I want to say this, I know we're, we're really targeting pastors and leaders trying to equip them tonight, is 
how if people cannot get free in our churches i want to ask you how are they going to get free like where can these people go if we're not if we're not a place where people can get delivered healed and saved mm -hmm. then where are they going to go and i was thinking about luke 13 where jesus is rebuking the pharisees and basically telling the people the pharisees that were mad that he was doing deliverance in the church by the way if y'all haven't read the story and jesus was saying doesn't she deserve to be loosed like if we're yeah, not going to set her free in the church she's been here for 18 years bound by a demon gone yeah. through every medication gone through every place everything you think of and you guys week after week loose your donkeys on sabbath but this mm -hmm. woman's bound by a demon how much more should be looser and here is the bottom line reality in their mind in their theology seeing her get free was the job of a doctor, not the job of a pastor. And so they were saying, she's sick in body, let her go to the doctor. It's someone else's job. And I wanna challenge pastors and tell you, it is no one else's job. It is our job as pastors, right. as leaders. I pastored for 10 oh. years, guys. I'm not currently pastoring this moment, but I wanna tell you, it is our job as leaders to loose people. And then they're saying this, well, it's okay to lose her, but just don't do it today. Like it's Sunday, mm -hmm. it's people got to get in and people want to be comfortable. And you know, we don't want to upset the big time givers and yeah. there's religious people and what are the city going to think? And they're going to pull our yeah. parking permits if they find out people are getting delivered and the service going to go too long. And Jesus goes, when, when do you want her to get free then? If it's not today, you tell me when, because you're yeah. telling me today's not the day, but I want to tell somebody yeah. now is the day. If they're yeah. not going to be yeah. able to get yeah. free in our churches, we have to become places. And I don't care what we have to do. I don't care if we have to get our coffee shop and turn it into a prayer room or a war room. I don't care if we mm -hmm. have to turn one of the kids rooms into a deliverance room. I don't care if you're doing it at the altar, you're dragging them to the back. We as a body of Christ, as pastors and leaders, we have to be, and listen, we're about to break 4,000 people, y'all. We have to be responsible for being that place where people can come, not just get coffee and donuts and praise the Lord for coffee and donuts. I love them both. Not just get a light show. I love the light shows as well. Praise the Lord. Not just get smoke shot in our face. And I love the smoke. I love all the stuff. I'm a nerd, y'all. You can see I got lights right here in the back and sound panels, okay? But I'm saying if they get all of that, but don't have a place to get free, and I'm gonna go as far to say this, we are going to stand before God and God's gonna say, I trusted you. And this is what's gonna happen. The same way the boy's father in the Mount Transfiguration brought the son, the, his son right. to Jesus and said, I brought my son, listen to me pastors, I hope the fear of the Lord touches you tonight. I brought my son to your disciples and your disciples could not heal him. So what do we do guys on judgment day when the world comes to Christ and says, we brought the sick to your church and your church didn't heal. Your church didn't deliver. And I wanna say you know, this Isaiah, clearly. Isaiah, the sad part, a lot of churches, um, the answer, it, it wouldn't be, accusation wouldn't be they couldn't, they wouldn't, mm. they wouldn't even touch it. They right. wouldn't even attempt to pray for deliverance. They would just simply throw them out of the church. I've been in services where a person manifests and the security takes them yeah. out. Yeah. The gospel I read, when the person manifested, Jesus took the demons out, not the <laughs> demon-possessed person. And so it's a completely different, different concept. And when we shut, when we shut the person, it shut their you know, silent hurts and cries instead of getting the demons out. So I'm with you on that. And I well, think, and I'll you know, say too, the, the work of deliverance is a powerful tool against atheism. Come on. And so sometimes it. even That's when good. people see it, they That's say, good. wow, this is real. You know, uh -huh. we've given people such a natural phenomenon so much that when they become atheistic, it's like, well, how much did we contribute to that as a church? Mm -hmm. But when you see the supernatural, oh, the work of deliverance is anti-atheism. 
It brings the fear of God. I've noticed uh, because one of the biggest objections I've had about uh, we've been always doing public deliverances. And so we do them. I remember one time we did it on Easter, a Easter service, a deliverance service. And so I'm like, I mean, what a better way to show the the power of Jesus Christ. I mean, everything we believe about the Bible is supernatural, supernatural birth. Everything. I mean, it's we just we're so used to it and we domesticated this thing so much and we're so afraid that it will show up and ruin and i like what you know mike says people are afraid of being weird i think deliverance is not weird deliverance is wild mm, that's it. even possession is weird you know witchcraft is weird all of this stuff is weird but deliverance is wild and we should embrace the wildness and i remember one pastor accused me and they're like well you know what all of this glorifies the devil when the demon manifests because you know we would have a mass prayer afterwards and you know demons screaming everywhere people puking and everything and so i'm like oh this is just glorifies the devil i was like isn't it interesting i was like not one person left this service today Say thinking it. oh my god kingdom of darkness is so attractive i'm gonna go ahead and get me a ouija board today right no everyone left with the fear of god Damn. everybody who done something they left repenting the altar calls usually the services where the power of god manifests and people get delivered Al- altar calls are filled services that are usually four hours long nobody's leaving and and people were like oh people cannot stay for more than 40 minutes well avengers movie was like four hours long and people lined up in the movie theaters and so i think it brings the fear of god it doesn't bring the fear of the devil and we have to not rob the people of god who are reading i mean i had a pastor's friends of mine visited our church uh two weeks ago from pennsylvania stayed over in our house and we had a deliverance service and so uh, the moment we start doing a mass prayer after the message you know demons start manifesting and i remember pastor's wife after the service she's like i've read it i've seen it on the youtube clips i've never been in the service where that stuff she's like a tingling feeling and i was like but you guys are pastors they're like to see what i read here happening in the service like it's a total different experience we rob the people of god from seeing the bible with their physical eyes this is the experience that i say you get alex uh, alexander and, and mike where people come up they're like i've never seen this in the church before i went to church 20 years and so some people need deliverance and some people honestly they just need to see the bible yes. otherwise they're gonna turn away from the gospel into something else if they don't see the bible becoming real in our services i'm going to toss over here to you alexander in a second but i want to say this what you just said vlad every time I, a new person gets in deliverance with us and sees it or it's at an altar they tell me this my faith has a thousand times has multiplied a thousand times because now what i believe for years to be theory or philosophy or it's like job said my ears heard about you but now my eyes see you it's like now that i'm actually singing jesus said this and you talked about this earlier alexander the kingdom of god when the kingdom of god comes demons leave this is a physical manifestation of a supernatural kingdom being destroyed and i'll say this for all you pastors and i i hear you my heart goes out to you you say the big givers are going to leave people are going to be afraid i promise you your people want to see what you've been preaching about for years in action because you've been preaching about it for years but you you've it's what jesus said he said this in matthew 23 you know where the kingdom of the the door to the kingdom of heaven is and you yourself know where it's at but you don't even enter or let anybody else go in so it's like you're preaching about the kingdom you know where it's at you know deliverance is real you preach about you know the man at the tombs the luke 13 and he goes but you just never enter in and i want to tell you people in your church i promise you are starving to see a move of god are starving i was at a church that they total about four thousand members 
pastor 25 years, so we've never taught on it. I taught on it for three hours on a Saturday morning, and then I talked about it on Sunday. And I'm telling you, there was not one person, Vlad, in the church that said, we don't want to hear this. This isn't God. Because you guys need to understand, all you pastors need to realize, deliverance is in the atonement. The Bible says demons were cast out to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah. So this is part of the cross, the atonement, and your people, I want to tell you, are dying to see this. Not only to experience it, but I'm telling you, bystanders. So I do, I believe also you could take them to the back room, but I want to say there is power when you do separate meetings or services like you do, Vlad, once a month, where you allow deliverance to break out at the altar in front of people know the demons are not going to jump off of people friend there's not one verse in the bible that says a demon's going to jump out of the person jump into the four-year-old little girl there's not one verse that says demons do not do not enter in through watching deliverance they enter in through lifestyles of sin so they're not going to jump on somebody i'm telling you that is a cop-out for religious people to never Mm -hmm. do deliverance and there may be some of you and i'm just going to speak prophetically you're going to need to cancel your country club um, membership for a few months. You're going to need to sell the golf clubs for a couple months and say, you know what, Lord, I'm not going to golf after service. I'm not going to spend Saturdays golfing. I'm going to spend time and energy because here's the thing, friend, if you're on salary, you're not going to get paid for doing deliverance. You're already on salary and say, Lord, I'm just going to do this because this is your ministry. And so, Alexander, I want to toss this question to you. Um, I know, again, all of us are pastors here. I'm, I guess I said I wasn't a pastor, but I correct myself. I'm pastoring a lot of you online, but I want to say this really closely here. Where where do we start as as pastors and leaders okay we're watching there's 4,000 people watching so obviously there's wow. a bunch of pastors watching and they're on for the first time they they're shouting us down right now they love all of our ministries they have your books they have lads books they have mike stuff they ha- they watch my podcast but they're just on the edge they're just like i just don't know where do i start like i want this sunday to see deliverance and i want to start preaching on it i think that's a great place to start preaching on it but like where do i practically start as a pastor maybe some pitfalls maybe some things we need to watch out for but I just really want to speak to those pastors that are like, where do I even begin in deliverance ministry? Well, let me say this. Let me just add a, a testimony. There's a young man in the ch- in the chat room. He visited our church. He got connected to our church because of your deliverance map. And let me mm. just kind of just yeah. say this out there, that Isaiah Saldivar's deliverance map is an absolute blessing to the body of Christ because... I would say at least 15% of the membership of my church has increased as a result of people just coming because they saw our name on a map. But there's a young man in the, in the chat room, and I'm going to use it because he actually said his name is Elon Sanchez. This young man has been coming to church uh, off and on when his job allows him to come to church. Look what he says. He says, uh, and this is for every pastor that might think that the attendance is going to drop if you embrace deliverance or that people are going to leave. I'm here to tell you in agreement that once we embraced deliverance, the church skyrocketed. We went from yeah. an average membership to actually to overflow, to getting a new building. And now we're in the process of getting another bigger building. But look what he wrote here. He said, he said, that's a fact. It was a few weeks ago at Pagani's church service where deliverance broke out. And I saw like 13 people get delivered at the same time. And it was wild. And look what he said. And wow. my faith increased a hundredfold. Oh, oh, oh. Listen. Sometimes a sermon, the sermon can't increase it. Sometimes, you know, a prayer can't increase it. Sometimes demonstration, demonstration will release an impartation and the spirit of faith will grip the average dry believer or complacent, apathetic, lethargic, lukewarm, carnal Christian. And something will just literally 
click and shift inside of them that their faith will go to the next level. And not only that, God will begin to inspire them that the way you see your pastor doing that, That's I it. want you to do that as well. So yeah. those of you, listen, a teaching series is great. You have to start at a teaching series. Prayer service to bring in revival, absolutely essential. But sometimes the missing element, pastor, is demonstration. Mm -hmm. Demonstration will bring an impartation and mm -hmm. activate the enthusiasm of the people. Now watch and catch this metaphor. Mm -hmm. Notice the word demon in the word demonstrate because mm -hmm. it has always been, it has always been uh, the idea of confrontation of spiritual powers to verify that the spirit mm -hmm. realm is actually even real, that that's where mm -hmm. we actually even adopt the word to demonstrate, which means demons manifesting is obviously letting us know that the spiritual realm is absolutely essential. Now to answer and to go into this direction where uh, Isaiah has said, where does a pastor start? Number one, it has to start with theology. Yeah. It has to start yeah. in foundational teachings. And I'm gonna tell you why, because in Mark chapter one, you and I have been taught that it was the miracle of the turning the water of wine that actually initiated Jesus's ministry. No, that's what the religious churches and evangelicalism taught us. Actually, it was not that it was not that event. It was the man that had a demon in the synagogue. The Bible says that as soon as he cast the demon out, the fame of his name spread mm -hmm. throughout everywhere. But watch this. The people's reaction is what solidifies it for me. This is what they said after he cast the demon out of a man that had a demon in the synagogue. It says this, they were amazed and said to one another, what new doctrine is this? What new teaching is this? So oh, the foundation for the, the ministry of deliverance is not the vomiting and, and some of the expressions. That, those are secondary stuff. The foundation of the deliverance ministry is teaching, revelatory teaching. This is why for our ministry, I do a lot more teaching than demonstrating. I revelate first because mm -hmm. the people will have to understand what they're seeing. And then by the time I get to the demonstration, mm -hmm. they totally get it because the first barrier, especially as a pastor is, we're gonna go back to where is that in the word? Where am I gonna see that in scripture? There's these theological logos filters that are there. So deliverance, true deliverance comes upon the helms of revelatory teaching, where the teaching actually breaks open the mind of the human spirit, and then they are able to be able to say, you know what, I think I need to get delivered, or they manifest, or mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit begins to invade. So I would say this, we start at the fundamental worldview that the man or woman of God has in their teaching. Theology. Mm -hmm. I think it has to start in the theology. For me, I was taught wrong. And until mm -hmm. I unlearned what I had been taught, then I was able to proceed further in embracing mm -hmm. the ministry of deliverance. I want, to touch on, I want to touch on something too. You have to, as a pastor, get to a place where you don't know it all, where you literally say, right. I don't know everything. I'm learning new stuff. I didn't mm -hmm. know about soul ties. I didn't know about generational curses. I didn't know about witchcraft. Paul talked about the church in Galatia who put a spell on you. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know any of these things. And so I need to learn. I heard you say this, Vlad. I've said this several times. Like the only copyright I have on my material is the right for you to copy it. I tell people, mm -hmm. I know all your guys stuff. Pastors are preaching it. They're teaching it. I would recommend even this. I did this in my own stream. I did three streams on 
just Jesus' deliverance ministry. So listen, okay. y'all are doing series on everything, series of the movie, series of this, series on this, everything mm -hmm. you can think of, you do a series on. Why not coming this month, starting out a deliverance series? Like we are going uh -huh. to go through every story, which there's seven, by the way, if you didn't know, we're going to go through every story of Jesus casting out demons and we're going to apply it. And I've seen this work in a church I was at recently. I've been teaching their pastors. I did deliverance on most of their pastors. And the pastor asked me to teach on deliverance. I said, pastor, it would be better because I already taught his leaders. We've been seeing deliverance. I say it would be better if you did a series or do some sermons on deliverance so your people hear it from you first before mm -hmm. they hear it from an evangelist. So he started going through all the stories of Jesus doing deliverance. And guess what? Deliverance broke out and it's been breaking out. So I would really recommend some of you going through just the stories of Jesus doing deliverance. Of course, all of our resources you can use, but just getting that good mm -hmm. Bible teaching would be mm -hmm. solid for you to start seeing deliverance. I want to share also a long line with uh, uh, Alexander. Um, the, the first thing, if you're a pastor, I would ask is that you stop criticizing deliverance yes, ministry. Yes, yes. If you stop, whatever you're attacking, you're not attracting. Mm. So the only way to attract, um, the first of all, there is no such a thing as a gift of the Holy Spirit to cast out demons. It's the assignment. It's but a, yeah. one of the ways Come the Holy on. Spirit is grieved is when we attack. Because whatever you attack, you will no longer attract in their life. And some people will actually need to repent um, before the Lord for criticizing, for attacking, calling them with names and everything. So for, for me, it's always been, I don't want to be a critic. I want to be a student. And so, and if you stop attacking after that, become a student. A student, not just of people like Lester Sumrall and Derek Prince and the guys who passed away already to glory, but student of people that God is using right now. People that maybe you don't like, people that you might not like their style of service. You might not like this and this and that about them, but become a student of those ministries. You know, uh, begin to watch their messages, begin to read their books and become a student so that you can learn. I love what Alexander mentioned also about teaching from the pulpit what the Bible teaches concerning deliverance. That really is what sets the atmosphere in the services concerning deliverance. What we did, we actually took our whole church through they shall expel demons a book by derek prince the, all of the small groups we bought the books we gave them i think we even gave them for free and so for three months i did a series and we do this every about every few years where i do a series on deliverance um and then during that time for three months the whole church was going through it in their small groups people were being delivered in small groups people were being delivered in the services another thing that i would like to mention as well is that in our services we started to have because we're a local church as well, we, we didn't want it to turn every service into a demon service. So what we started to do is that we started to allocate um, special services. Last Sunday of each month is when we, we call them deliverance services. Now, that does not mean that deliverance is not welcomed or it mm. doesn't happen. Sometimes actually in the other services, deliverances happen. But everyone knows that on the last Sunday of the second service of the month, the prayers are different. The, the approach is mm. different. There's an expectation uh, for the deliverance. And not only expectation, where deliverances actually happens, and Alexander highlighted that, is when you expect and then you confront. We specifically, and Isaiah, you did the last time that you came to our services, and we practice that regularly as well, is the moment a sermon is over, we don't do um, a prayer. We do a confrontation. Come we on. do a battle where we lead people in the repetition, and then we, we actually don't speak to God. We don't speak to people. We speak to the demons in people. And this kind of gets awkward a little bit. And so, but we explain, we give a minute or two explain what's going to happen right now. That is scriptural. And the moment you set an expectation to prayer, fasting, and teaching, and then you add confrontation, it's just a matter of weeks. 
and the demons, those demons that were hiding, they will begin to confront. Another thing that I would like to add, this is just our personal preferences that, um, first of all, I want to advocate Isaiah, your map too. We have a Casey um, from our church. He's, he's, he's doing, um, and we're adding more people. And last Friday, there were people that already came to the meeting uh, that he was doing personal deliverance. And, um, and I think it's an amazing thing what, uh, what you are doing. And we're empowering all of our leaders yes. and everyone on the pastoral team on how to cast out demons. So the deliverance happens in small groups. And one of the reasons I am an advocate of deliverance in small groups or deliverance in houses or deliverance one-on-one, -on -one, not just at the altar, is because even if they get delivered at the altar, and I'm all for that, we do them regularly, people need somebody to walk alongside yeah. those people. We, all, we use the story of the donkey. When the donkey was bound, Jesus said to the disciples, go loose that donkey and then bring that donkey to me. And so we, what we found is that when deliverance does not mean discipleship, people get delivered and like a donkey, they're loosed, right. but nobody brings them closer wow. to Christ. And so there has to be that discipleship component that will walk alongside of the deliverance so that that person will no longer be a target on the back of the demonic hunters because the devil wow. now is going to enter back, you know, seven times more if they're not going to be, be brought by other believer, believers to Jesus Christ. And then Jesus has to sit on them and so that the glory of God uses them and they can go into their world and make a difference. So discipleship accompanies deliverance is a big thing uh, for us. And then what we found that breaks the stereotype or breaks the resistance toward deliverance and builds a culture of deliverance is the testimonies. Yes. We regularly on deliverance services, we, we fly people from different parts of United States who come for our church for deliverance, they get delivered. And of course they'll pay, you know, to come to be delivered, not to pay us, but to pay the flight ticket, the hotel and everything, but then to come to share their testimony. Of course they don't have money and all of this stuff. And so we would fl fly them. We would pay sometimes even give them honorarium for sharing their testimony because testimony is what sets the culture in so the church. Good. This stuff is real. This stuff is not just about puking, throwing up, but lives are being changed. And, and one more thing that I would like to add is we started to add last few years is pre-screening for our altar call delivery. Yeah, so this. we don't put people in the prayer line until they come an hour before the service and where our leaders and they already trained uh, people who do counseling uh, in this area who are life group leaders. They take them through the prayers of renouncing. They take them, they pretty much prepare them so that when we pray for them at the altar, they're already prepared. So a lot of times people are like, oh my gosh, you guys have so many crazy deliverances taking place and they're quick. They're actually not that quick Come on. because there's a lot of work that was done before yeah, that. Yeah. So at least an hour, they're met, they're being consulted, they're being, they're renouncing. Sometimes the deliverance begins to start happening there. And then the other component is that we have a team that's set up right now that does the follow-up for people who are delivered, Good. who are not part of our church. So they call them, they email them. If they need more deliverance, they come back for more deliverance. And if they have a testimony, we ask for their permission to post the video online. And then we ask them if they can come back or Zoom us in online on our service on Zoom, because we also have a service on Zoom on Sunday so they can share their testimony so it can pe people's faith can be built that hey we saw this person manifesting we saw their them being free we want to know how they're doing right now and when they hear a week later hey this person got totally healed like we had a person who was delivered and after deliverance they got healed supernaturally from leukemia it's been mm. about seven years now and they have absolutely no cancer in their blood anymore or we've seen people who get mental disorders one guy had four mental disorders twice he came for deliverance and so he was kicked out of school 
he was a mental in mental institution and then the moment he got delivered he came back finished the school the two years that he missed he finished in six months gained weight god delivered him from four mental disorders and now he's a youth pastor so when people see yeah. that then after that you know the theology debate kind of goes on the back uh on the back burner and people begin to see the need they begin to see the the assignment and the anointing of god hey guys i'm gonna have to jump off i know you have uh, a partner's right call uh, right now yeah but i, I love we're gonna have love, to do a part uh, two, bro, because we're barely so getting much. started. We're already an hour in. And uh, I'm gonna rewatch this when I come back awesome. uh, and stuff. So. Love you, bro. We'll talk you. soon. Come on, love you, man. We'll talk Thank soon. You. Mike, I'm gonna turn it over to you. Maybe just talk about too some of the facilitating as a new pastor getting into deliverance. Like what could what could be some things to look for or do? Again, obviously teaching it is really good, but how's maybe some ways you guys have also facilitated? I know you have three campuses as well. So how does that even play into the dynamic of doing deliverance? Yeah, and I want to say, I, I feel that there's a pastor watching right now that, and, and I've done this, I know that many of you who are pastors, preachers, teachers, communicators, you basically say, well, I want to teach on this topic. So then when you go to the Bible, you ask yourself, what scriptures can I find to load mm -hmm. up on that topic? And it's possible when you preach that way to just take a pocket knife to scripture and just cut out the bumper stickers that you like and just gloss over deliverance. I also started my broadcast during this pandemic because I thought the devil doesn't think I will confront him through Facebook, through YouTube. It's in the Bible. And I'm not just going to go through a topical thing that's reduced to psychology. Sometimes it's demonology. You know what I'm saying? And so much of the teaching that we have has been reduced down to just psychology. And people are like, I don't understand. It's still not working. I'm still bound. I'm still struggling with these things. And, you know, they need deliverance. And so anyways, I want to just, just say that I, I challenge you to ask the Holy Spirit to take you through those scriptures, to give you revelation, like my man Alexander said, and then turn that revelation into impartation. And I say that because we just had Easter services and I was preaching March, uh, Mark chapter 16. And it very plainly says, Mary Magdalene, from whom he, from whom he had cast out seven demons. It's, you can't ignore it. And it, that is a very important part of Mark chapter 16 when you go through verses 1 through 11. Why? Because watch this. The other people who were there to witness the resurrection of Jesus were afraid and astonished. They were told to go and evangelize and they didn't do it. But the woman, come on, the Mary Magdalene. Do I have any Mary Magdalene's watching right now? Come on, drop a comment. Let me know. She was the one. Yeah, she had seven demons, but she had seven demons cast out of her. And she wasn't astonished or afraid. She was empowered. And she actually began to evangelize. And so just me mentioning Mary Magdalene having seven demons cast out of her this Easter. It, here's the thing. I read the Hindu Vedas. I read the Quran. I even read the Satanic Bible back in the day. This was when I was on a very intense search for meaning, significance. I wanted to know what truth was. I read the Bible through several times. And I, I'm telling you, there's something about when you get to this moment of realization, either this is real or not. And I had this major, major discovery in preparation for Easter. And it was this. Saul was on the road to Damascus, and it was an encounter with Jesus that converted him. It, it wasn't an archaeological discovery. It wasn't a scientific discovery. I love those things as a preacher. I've tried to deliver those elements in my sermon, but it was encounter. And I said, you know what? This Easter, 
instead of trying to argue you into instead of trying to argue you into Christianity, I'm going to allow you to encounter the risen Jesus. And I'm telling you guys, once that moment, I facilitated that moment after the teaching, we were in a large facility. It was all campuses combined from front to back. Some were weeping, some were laughing, but then some were manifesting. And, and I was telling the people, because I mean, there's hundreds upon hundreds of people there, both services. I said, some of you think this looks crazy, but if Jesus were to walk into this room in the flesh, just as one singular body, like he was 2000 years ago before the crucifixion, this is exactly what would happen in the room. People would be getting saved. People would be getting delivered. People would be getting healed. And it was the very first Easter that I can, I can tell you I've, I've ever been a part of where I could truly say, this is what happens when you allow Jesus to be in the room. And I want to add to that, Isaiah, I want to give you some serious props. In the weeks leading into Easter, because I do this daily broadcast every day on Facebook and YouTube, and I see the names, I see the, the numbers of people, and I'm like, okay, I want to go out and I want to, I want to meet them. I flew from New York City to California, expecting 20 people to meet me on this beach in Newport. 200 people came out. And I can't tell you how many of them said, I saw you from Isaiah's you know, stream, and it was crazy because it's like you educated them, you opened it up, and then I cast the demons out of them, and me and you are co-laboring. I've never even met you in person physically yet, but we are co-laboring, and that's something so unique. Then I went to Chicago. So now I go from California to Chicago. Hundreds of people also come out, and then people saying, hey, I saw you from Isaiah's stream. I need deliverance. And so it was like, I just did a cross country tour. Same thing happened in New York city Metro where I live at my own church. And so it's like, I'm telling you, if you're a pastor or you're a preacher watching right now, Jesus cast seven de demons out of Mary Magdalene, knowing in his sovereign, perfect will on the resurrection, she's going to be the main one evangelizing. And so on the other side of deliverance, is the activation of that person's destiny to begin to move into the fullness of what they're called to do. Because it wasn't just deliverance. This is what I tell people all the time. You're, got, you're not supposed to get free just to be free. You're supposed to get free so that you can do what you're destined here to do. So there is a mission, there's ministry on the other side of freedom. And that's really what we're all about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm muted here. Okay. Praise the Lord. I've been muted here that entire time. 
Praise the Lord, no sound. All right, the devil's a liar. All right, I, I was muted because I was coughing, so I muted myself. All right, let me say that again, guys. If you, <laughs> I know now the comments are frozen because everyone's saying I was muted. We can't hear Rewind. you. Rewind. Okay, let me go back to what I was saying. I want you to add on to what you were saying because if you look at the man at the tombs, let me just repeat myself and I'll go shorter here. But if you look at the man at the tombs, the man gets radically delivered, ends up back in the city. The Bible says he was naked at the tombs, ends up with clothes on at the city. The Bible says the people begged Jesus to leave the city. So here they want to move of God, but it didn't look like the way they thought. Now they don't want Jesus to be there. Jesus is getting ready to leave. And notice what happens to the guy who just got delivered. And this is what you just said. He goes, Jesus, I want to go. I'll go in here with you. He's begging to go follow Jesus. Jesus says, go back and preach to your friends and family. But I want to say this. And again, mark my words to mm. all the pastors that didn't hear me because I was on mute. Mark my words. The people that get delivered in your service that you drive demons out of will be, and I could prove this again in the book of Luke where it say says, it. those have been forgiven of much, love much. They will be your most radical members. They will be the ones, 100. first one, they're stacking chairs. They'll be the ones following you home to make sure you got home safe. Your picture of your family will be on the background of the lock screen of their phone. They're going to be the first one sharing all your flyers telling all their friends and family bringing everybody because the gratitude that comes when you get delivered so another thing we're missing out on and again this video we literally did this live stream so that you can send this to pastors and leaders that have been telling That's you it. deliverance isn't real we don't want it we're we're pleading we're not here to bash you we're not here to be rude and say you're wrong you're not of god you're not saved we're here to plead with you to say deliverance is essential not a spiritual gift not an office it's the mandate mark 16 17 of every believer to drive out demons. These people, I could tell you, will be the most radical people. These will be your ride or dies. So you're missing out. You're like, well, my people are flaky. Well, because they're not getting free. They, they have nothing to be grateful for because we're not seeing the demonstration. And as far as, and I wanna just move into this, the manifestations, and this is just fun, we're here hanging out, but the manifestations of vomiting, coughing. Isaiah, does it have to be? Why do you guys make it? Because they've seen all of our videos. Why is it so eccentric? This is just the nature of deliverance. We're not trying to make it eccentric. Right. We're not trying to make it radical. The book of Acts says, and the demons scream as they left their victims. So loud screaming, vomiting, spitting, cursing, blasphemy, all these things, these manifestations are biblical manifestations that right. you're going to see happen. So you don't need to apologize like, oh, we're so sorry that you had to see that. What you saw was Satan's kingdom being destroyed and God's kingdom being established. So I think, I think pastor, we're doing a disservice. I'll say pastors, when we start apologizing to the people yeah. for this being radical. Now, as far as altar, we all, I think we all teach similar doctrine here. Altar deliverances are different. I tell people all the time, when we're at the altar, we're assaulting things. We're being violent about things. When we're one-on-one, -on -one, we're surgical. So we're not yes. going in there violently removing things. We're going in there surgically because we have the time, we have the noise isn't loud. We have the energy to be able to do that. But at the altar, it's just game time. Like we're just gonna go in, we're gonna get, and I tell people this all the time, you guys can touch on this as well. At the altar, some people do get fully free. So let me make sure I make this clear. But oftentimes what I've seen, again, I could be just what I've seen, they get partial deliverance. And then we go back, I know Bob Larson teaches this as well. We go back on one-on-one -on -one deliverance or deliverance sessions, or you meet in homes and we could fully get you fully delivered. Now, some people get radically delivered 100% at the altar, but I've come to see, it's just that spirit of violence. The kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force at the altar. It's exciting, it's exhilarating. So I think there is a place for altar ministry, but there's right. also a place for that one-on-one -on -one deliverance as well. You know, to help the pastors understand uh, the difference between what we would call mass deliverance on an altar and then a one-on-one -on -one session. Um, the analogy is there's a clinical doctor and then there's a surgical doctor. Good. At the altar, at times, it's like a clinic. 
you know, but when there's a need at the altar or the clinic that the doctor says, I can give you some relief right now, but you need to resolve this. I'm going to recommend you to go to a specialist. Yeah. And then afterwards, there is surgery. So this is what happens. Now, sometimes you can go to a clinic and get your problem resolved just like that. And then there are other times where they say, well, I'm going to give you some relief in this, but I do recommend that you go and see the specialist because I see that there's another impending problem that's there. To backtrack with that, using the same analogy, all surgery, it's very messy. It's just that the fellows and the surgeons there know how to clean up the clean up the mess, clean up the mess very effectively and very quickly. So watch this. In order to get out a tumor or, or, or in order to get out an appendix, you still got to cut somebody open. There's going to be blood. There's gonna, listen, there's going to be blood all the time. But immediately, as soon as they make the incision, immediately the doctor says, uh, where's the suture? You see what I'm saying? So the ministry of deliverance is the same way. There's always going to be some sort of manifestation. There's going to be some sort of outburst. There's going to be some sort of screaming or crying. And it is always, listen to me, pastor, the manifestation is always dependent on the personality of the person and how deep the demon is there. So if a person is quiet, you're going to get more like the demon manifesting with the person crying. Right. But if the person is more uh, one of those outbursts and ta temper tantrums or whatever, more outburst personality, you're going to find that the demon's going to ride that personality and you're going to get some more of the, some of the more, you know, outlandish type of deliverance session. The person, the person's personality is mixed also with the personality of the demon. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's not that we're looking for a, I've been here a long time. No, it's just some deliverance sessions, there was nothing, but the person got free. I didn't see really anything, but the person got delivered. Yeah. And then there are others that I said, you know, this little old person, I'm sure they're going to be quiet and they'd be the loudest demon talking through this person. And it's all dependent on the personality uh, of the person, as well as how much access and control the demon also has. But then let me also say this. The reason why sometimes there has to be a need for a one-on-one -on -one session, because let's not, let's not forget that there are also generational curses oh, that are also involved there. And I'm here to tell you, if you come to my altar, I can't really deal with the generational curse um, at an altar within five to 10 minutes. I'm going to require you to kind of come back so I could, we could walk through you, walk you through some stuff. We got to really tackle some stuff. There has to be some renouncing and some things going on. So I don't want the pastors to kind of get caught up with, with being limited or with that. This is what deliverance is. That we're looking for these things. This is a case by case scenario. And this is why I always say this deliverance is not fighting the darkness. It's turning on the light. It's turning on the light. That's when good. you turn on the light, every creature of the night, is exposed and you're able to tackle very quickly what is there and help a person kind of get delivered and set free. You know, I so want to talk good. about like, I love, I love that so much. Uh, and you know, when you're in a one-on-one -on -one session, like at V1 Church, what we do, everybody makes family trees. That's a common thing. But have you ever made a spiritual family tree where you start to look at the patterns that are represented in your bloodlines. Because, you know, when you're in a one-to-one -one environment, you say, wow, isn't that incredible that every single person has experienced divorce all the way up to your, your, your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, as far as you can go back. So it's so important in that one-on-one -on -one session, because I, I believe there's many of you watching that have never heard this before. You probably just think that ministry only happens in the open, at the altar, 
But in those one-on-one environments, you know, like Vlad talked about discipleship, what I've learned is the discipline goes with deliverance. And so it's like, okay, you have, you know, sometimes the solution is, is initially deliverance, but then the follow-up is discipline, <laughs> you know, it's, and that, what I mean by that is, okay, now I am going to get my being in alignment with scripture and the commands of Christ. Now I'm going to be a discipled follower. And so what we do is we go through the family history, very deep, you know, all known sins that they can think of. And you start to see whether it's the individual or it's their parents or their grandparents, you'll start to see those patterns emerge. And it's in that one-in-one environment that it unlocks so many things. Like you said, it turns the light on in the dark, which is so important. Matter of fact, when we were in California, this is kind of funny, this woman, she said, and now I'm standing on a beach, so there's no keyboard player behind me. You know, you know what I mean? I'm just, I'm out there with 200 people. And all of a sudden she's like, Pastor Mike, can you pray for my shoulder? I need healing. And she's kind of pulling her, her shirt back. Can you, I've always needed healing here in my shoulder. I go to lay my hand on her shoulder and immediately she starts manifesting. Mm. And, you know, and I'm like, oh, snaps, here we go. It's, it's starting, you know? So she gets freedom. Now at the conclusion of that deliverance, she's saying, Jesus, Jesus. And, and everybody's clapping and they're celebrating. An hour or so later, I see her. She made these new friends. She's like, oh, Pastor Mike, I'm so sorry. I didn't even know that was going to happen. And she's like a totally different person. But my point in saying that is she thought she needed physical healing. She actually needed deliverance that was connected to that healing. And then number two, as a pastor, there is a part of me now that's learned like, wait a second, we've got to follow up. We need to go on a journey with her and I want to go deeper. I, like you said, general practitioner on the beach, you got free. That's great. But now maybe you need to go a little bit deeper, a little bit further. So good. And I think if you, if you're a pastor and you really want revival, and this also goes for believers, you're never going to fully have the move of God without deliverance. Now, many of you watching are saying, why is it we've never seen manifestations, right? Like you guys are talking about services manifesting. And I have people tell me this all the time. You guys hear it all the time. How is it I had a demon for 50 years, 40 years, 60 years, 70 years, and I never knew it was there. And the answer is very simple. Has anyone ever confronted the demon? And they always say nine times out of 10, no one ever confronted it. So if you're a pastor watching this, you have to know demons must be confronted. Jesus confronted them. He, the reason why he asked the demon at the man at the tombs, what was your name? Because the demon wasn't leaving when he told it to leave. Yeah. The Bible said he had been commanding the demon to leave. And then Jesus said, what is your name? So as pastors, we cannot shy away from confrontation. We cannot back down when demons try to bully us or intimidate us or flex on us demons have to be confronted you can't just say oh we're going to put that person aside or kick them out of the church we need to boldly confront demonic forces in our service and i'm telling you if you want to start seeing deliverance break out i challenge you start confronting things now this could even be things like pornography in your church like hey there's the bottom line rally. there's many of you struggling we're going to go after that spirit of perversion and this goes even to alexander what you were talking about the way spirits manifest depends also on what you talked about this the type of spirit that they are so if there's a spirit of destruction or a spirit of war they're not going to yeah. manifest like a spirit of sadness or a spirit of lethargy right those spirits are not going to manifest like a spirit of anger so you have to know like i was at 
service recently and I always talk about like I've taught this before which is, I think it's wrong now but I'm like demons can't touch you they'll never physically be able to hurt you like if you're dealing with a demon there I got I got attacked by a lady just a couple weeks ago I mean she was full on grabbing me hitting me like the whole on <laughs> thing right and so my theology went out the window I'm like all right maybe maybe demons can't attack you but here's this 105 pound lady and I'm like, me and several people can't hold her down, right? And she had tribal spirits, spirits from other countries, very, very high level, family warlocks, the whole type of thing you guys have dealt with before as well. So this spirit was not like someone that comes forward with the spirit of anxiety or depression or sadness, like, Come oh, on. once in a while I get sad. So you have to know some demons are stronger than others. So pastor, yeah. you can't be walking up in the church, you know, staying up all night watching crazy movies and golfing all weekend, then get up in the church thinking you're gonna go toe to toe with the spirit of legion not having prayer, not having fasted, not living spiritually disciplined. And this goes into the price we have to pay behind the scenes yeah. to Dang. be able to do it. what we do. We don't just jump on these live streams without having mm -hmm. a consecrated life, like, or having a life of prayer or life of fasting. There is hours that goes into even today, like, I was sick today. I'm like, you know what? We're not canceling. Like we're going after the enemy, 4,000 people watching. We're going to give the devil a black eye. We're going to train up churches because we can't be, write this down, pastor. We cannot be soft and in deliverance ministry. My bishop always says, man, some of y'all are just too soft for revival. You're just soft. You can't, you're not willing to confront. You're not willing to come against. So you have to realize, is it going to get messy? Yes. But I will say this, just start releasing people. Just start letting right. it happen. There will be messiness. There will be people missing the shot. But when they came to Jesus and they said, there's guys doing deliverance. Should we stop them? They're casting out demons. Here's the words of Jesus. Don't stop them because no one that does a miracle. So now Jesus ties deliverance to a miracle. Yeah. Nobody that does a miracle in my name is going to speak bad about me. So my counsel to some of you are like, well, people are trying to pray deliverance. What should I do? Don't stop them. Let it happen. Teach them, train them, start a team, start a ministry. Now, listen, I know right now, senior pastors, I know right now are watching this. I know that because I know them personally and I know your personality. You don't want nothing to do with demons. You're not confrontational, you're passive. And I love you and praise the Lord for you. Here's my advice to you. I'm not gonna condemn you or say, well, you God can't use you. Find people in your church that are a little bit more bold and more aggressive and more spiritually violent and let them start a team of deliverance ministries, our deliverance ministry. Get them the teaching, get them Alexander Pagani's books, get them the training, get them the tools, start training them, use our teaching. We have literally over 50 hours, all combined we have over 100 hours, probably even more of deliverance teaching and start training them. But don't, listen, don't let five years go by and say five years later, now I wanna start getting in deliverance because you're gonna have people bound in your church for five years that could have got free if you applied what we're teaching. So we're very strategic. Yeah. I think we need to do more, not even just a part two, but we need to make this a regular thing throughout the year of getting on here, training pastors and leaders and facilitating. Like we want you guys to know we're it, we have your back. We want the best for you. As pastors, we're rooting for you. We wanna see, right. because here's the thing, if you start doing deliverance, y'all, it's less work for us because guess what your people are calling us your people are up in our right. broadcast up in our gatherings needing to get free so we are here I, to do whatever I, we can I do keep Go telling people i keep telling people i'll stop teaching deliverance when the pastors start teaching it say yeah, it because it. it's it's non-stop people come from all over last uh, about two sundays ago we had in, in the service i actually got it on video from, they, they came up from Louisiana, Come Maryland, on. Virginia, Pennsylvania, just to be a part of our services on a Sunday. 
Now that excites me. I get excited for it, but it also breaks my heart. It breaks my heart because they have to go all the way to the Bronx and they're not even sure if I'm going to do deliverance that day. They're going up there by faith. Every week people are driving in. Last Sunday, people, it was Easter, but the week's gone by people driving in from uh, Long Island, which is a long drive in the weekend, all the way up to the Bronx. That's that's literally an hour and a half, two, three, uh, two hours on the subway. Somebody came two and a half hours on the subway to come up to the church. And people say, why do you guys keep talking about deliverance? There's other areas of the, of the gospel and the kingdom that you could talk about. Well, I'll stop talking about it when you start talking about it. When you start talking about it, I'll stop talking about it. In the meantime, I'm going to keep talking about it. We're not going to stop talking about it because the need is there. The need is there. And I tell people all the time, I did not launch out with being the voice of deliverance. I'm a regular pastor yeah. trying to just help people get set free. And then I end up becoming this personality but the truth of the matter is i'm i'm influential by default yeah. not by intention i'm influential by default which means people come to me because heaven says who shall i send isaiah chapter 6 who shall go for us to tell these people of uh, their transgression and isaiah says well here i am send mm -hmm. me this this means that he that heaven had been prompting people and people were telling God, no. And then it wasn't until Isaiah said, well, uh, here I am, send me. And guess what? The first thing Isaiah says to God was he brought up the fact that he was not even worthy. Uh, before you send me, uh, I'm a man of unclean lips. Now, we don't know exactly what that means. But this lets me know that the people that were there that was trying to respond to the call never responded to it. So God had to default and pick an Isaiah. And he said, well, uh, here I am, Lord, send me. That's what I did. That's what I did. I never intended to, to be this guy. As a matter of fact, sometimes this deliverance thing sometimes even overshadows what goes on in my church in other areas because people just keep coming and they keep coming and they keep coming. I am just a regular pastor who has an apostolic mantle who made themselves available. Well, God, I'm not going to turn them away. Why? Because Jesus said, do not turn the children away. Do not turn people away. Those that are heavy laden, come to me, and I will in no wise push away. This is what it, this is what it is. And those of you that are listening to me, God is calling you to. God yeah, is calling you to the ministry of deliverance and jump into this thing because the the harvest is Say plentiful. Yeah. But the laborers in the ministry, watch this. The laborers in the harvest are few, but the laborers in deliverance are scarce. Mm. Yeah, that's it. God is calling you to respond to the call because there are people in your church that are bound and they need to be set free. And in your region and in your community, God wants to I, use I you wanted to, to say them. something too. I was talking to my pastor about this just, I believe it was today. Bob Jones gave me, you know, if you don't know who Bob Jones was, he was a very prolific prophet. has gone to be with the Lord. But I met him in 2012. He gave me two words. The first one was, God was putting armor on you to do power evangelism, to cast out demons, heal the sick, and raise the dead. The second word was was crazy because it was actually at a lunch with Reinhard Bonnke was this. And this is all pertains because we're all a part of this word. He said, Isaiah, 400,000 young adults are going to get saved and trained up. And he said, and everyone's going to think that these are the end time harvest, right? This last day harvest we all talked about. He said, but do not be fooled. And this is the words of Bob Jones. He said, do not be fooled. The 400,000 that raise up in power evangelism to cast their demons, heal the sick, do what we're talking about. Those are not the harvest. They're not the harvest. Those are the laborers. And I get chills saying this, the laborers 
of the last day, the billion soul harvest. Now, yeah. all of us combined are reaching two to three million. I'm being very reserved because I don't want to exaggerate, but we're reaching on below end two to three million people a week. In our three broadcasts, two to three million a week. Yeah. And I wondered, and here's the thing guys, before we started doing online, I wondered how are we going to raise up 400,000 young people? Oh, and if you listen, we're not just talking about young in age, we're talking young in spirit. How are we gonna raise up 400,000? I never understood, are we gonna get arenas or how are we gonna fit them? But now I'm starting to realize, and my pastor, Nino, who's watching, he brought this to my remembrance today. He said, Isaiah, remember the word Bob Jones gave you in 2012, this wow. is that word. Now we're almost, guys, 10 years later, we're all three sitting here. We had 4,000 people at our peak. Now there'll be 200,000 people in this week that watch this broadcast. But here's the thing, we're training up an end time yeah. harvest if, or an end time army to go get the harvest. Now, if you're a pastor watching, Tonight, God is calling you by his spirit. God is calling you prophetically into this ministry. Now to say, Alexander, I thought about this today. To say like, you're talking about deliverance too much. Okay, to say that is to say you're talking about salvation too much. You're talking about what Jesus did on the cross too much. You're talking about the blood too much. Now, would any of you in their right mind say that? You wouldn't say that. But remember, deliverance is part of salvation and it's in the atonement. It's like what Paul said. He said, love and then pursue spiritual gifts. And everybody's okay with love. Everybody's like, love, love, love. No one argues. But the next sentence or the next word, Paul says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. So Paul's like, why are you arguing over the spiritual gifts, but you never argue about love. Guys, why are we arguing about, don't talk about deliverance so much, don't only preach about it. This is the blood of Jesus. This is the cross. This is what the atoning work did was to set us free. And you guys know this, and we teach this all the time. I've heard both of you teach this as well. Deliverance was the only ministry, the only ministry Jesus introduced to the world. The dead had already been raised. People had already gotten healed. The gospel was being preached through John the Baptist. He was preaching repent. Jesus comes bring an entire new ministry. This is not the ministry of Alexander Pagani. This is not the ministry of Mike Signorelli. This is not the ministry of Isaiah Saldivar. This is 100% take it to the bank. The ministry of Jesus Christ, the Jewish man that came from Nazareth that is coming back on a war horse out of the sky. There is a man, a Jewish man coming back and his ministry is the ministry of deliverance. So we, and we're just, man, this is like our intro tonight to what we're gonna keep teaching because we gotta get something. We all in a group chat, so we'll figure it out later. But this is what God is saying to pastors, to leaders. If you guys wanna say anything, uh, closing remarks, you can, but I also want to have you guys, we're gonna pray mm -hmm. just over those pastors, leaders. My heart goes out to you guys. I know God is just beginning. We don't wanna overwhelm you, overload you tonight with a three hour teaching, but I wanna say, man, God, take this as God speaking, that God is calling you. Let, let me touch on this, okay? Cause I wanna just say this before we end. And I'll, I'll just let you guys touch on this as well. You're in a church. Now this is very big and, and I know you guys think I'm gonna say one thing, but I'm gonna say the opposite of what you guys in the chat think I'm about to say. You're in a church, okay? I have to touch on this before we end. They don't believe in deliverance. The pastor doesn't believe in deliverance. The worst thing you can do is go to your pastor and start accusing him of how wrong he is, how unscriptural he is, how Isaiah's right, you're wrong. One of the reasons why we're doing this video is so that you can take this video to your pastors and say, pastor, I know you don't listen to what I have to say, but these are four senior leaders, senior pastors that are Man. talking about their journey. We're not attacking, we didn't attack anybody. We could have, but we didn't through this entire broadcast. 
What would you say? I'll, I'll get your guys' take on this. What advice would you give? Now, I've told people this, Alexander, and you guys might disagree with me, and that's okay. We'll still be friends after this. I've told people this. It's okay to be in a church now that doesn't hardcore go after deliverance. Now, I think if your pastor doesn't even acknowledge that deliverance is scriptural, I think you might you might need to find a, a, ch a new church because you're, you're gonna have our time. But say your pastor acknowledges deliverance but doesn't actively practice it, I would say keep going there, keep staying connected, exactly. and then supplement your diet with our teachings. Come on, y'all. We're live all, all the time. Yeah, so I know people right now that are in a healthy church. The pastor believes in deliverance, doesn't necessarily practice it or let it happen. This is why we've made the deliverance map. They're on the deliverance map. They're seeing deliverances. They're getting trained by one of our streams, one of us three people, but they're still able to go to that church, get some solid Bible teaching. You don't have to go to your pastor saying he's crazy. You don't have to say Isaiah's right, you're wrong. I'm tithing to him, not you. You don't have to bash him or make him look bad. Pray for him that God would open up his eyes and we will continue to make these resources, make these live streams and do these teachings for your pastor. But maybe, I know as you guys being pastors, I know we're, we're treading carefully. We're in, we're in like, we're in dangerous territory here, but maybe just treading some- Treading lightly. Yeah, we're treading lightly, but maybe just some words of wisdom for those that are watching like well my pastor doesn't do it. i know there's a lot of you that you are in that position but not just going and running I to your pastor let me let me jump in there yeah yeah i'm so grateful that you said that anybody who follows our ministries knows that i've been screaming that online as an apostolic figure for the ministry of deliverance i have said this and i've said this over and over and over again that this present day age of believers they're leaving good churches simply because their pastors don't embrace what their social media influencers do wow listen if a church does not embrace the ministry of deliverance but they believe preach and adhere to the preeminence of christ's work on the cross then you are in a good house now i would say this get your deliverance somewhere else read our material, uh, learn, get trained, get around other believers, find one or two in your house that does believe uh, that does believe in it. Cause I guarantee you in yes. every house, there's always a crew of Christians yes. that believe just like you, even though that your pastor doesn't embrace it. Now I'm going to say this, don't force your pastor to embrace it. Cause that's the spirit of Jezebel as well. Mm, you yeah. cannot bend the pastor's will to embrace something that God has not given him illumination on. Also, it is not a prerequisite for you to leave a church now I would agree with uh, uh, with with Isaiah that if your pastor doesn't even acknowledge deliverance, then maybe you might be you have some soul searching to do in as far as concerning which church you might actually need to be in. But there are many churches. There are many churches. Connect yourself with ministries around you that are actually doing. This is why in our church and uh, in V1 churches and in Vlash churches, people are flying in from all over. If anything, we're helping other churches because we're making better members of their churches. Even yeah, though they amen. preach against us, we're making their membership become better. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, like, did you catch it, guys? So if your church does not embrace deliverance, you can pray, you can ask God to that, that there would be a change of heart in the congregation. But I would say if your church is a good church, Remember, church. Uh, the, the, the church is a covenant family of believers. It's not a covenant family of revelation. Let me say that again. This is a this is covenant. We're doing life together. I say it all the time in my church. And if you're in my church, say it in the chat room. We do life together. You don't have the authority to cut me out of your life. And we and I don't have the authority to cut you out of my life. We're growing in covenant together. Why? Because we are in earnest expectation for the great coming of the rapture of the church and the second coming of the Lord. Do you see what I'm saying? But I would say this. There are resources. This is what's so different than 20 years ago where, yeah. where, where we were just stuck. 
No, we're living a digital age where you can watch an Isaiah Salabar. You can watch yes. watch Pastor Mike. You can watch a crazy Pagani barking on the devil on the, and get your demons cast out. And guess what? And go to your church like normal, love your pastor, and be a better Christian through the ministry of deliverance. And for the rest of you that have been staying home, get your butt to church, find a fellowship, get connected, and serve God, and find a pastor, and love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, and strength. Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as a man of some is, but as you see the day of the Lord approaching, especially in this pandemic, find a church. The Holy Spirit will help you find a church and grow there. You should be looking for where does Jesus stand in this house? And if Jesus is the end all be all of that church, that's a good place to start. And you join that church and you love the Lord and you serve the Lord with all of your heart in that local congregation. So good. I want to I want to add to that, yeah. though, because. So much that, that was said was so vital, but also know that if your pastor is not hardcore on delivery time, God may be using him to counterbalance something in you, you know, because sometimes what your pastor is bringing and what he has is fortifying your diet. You know what I'm saying? It's like, let me, let me, let me just say this. The deliverance wasn't the only ministry of Jesus. <laughs> and so you, so many believers, they start getting fixated. Don't let the, this season you're in or this era or this thing that God's doing in your life right now dominate you so much that you turn bitter against your pastor. Come when on. the Lord's actually saying, hey, he's balanced. He's balancing. He's making you, you, he's maturing you and making you complete in your faith. And so now I do want to, I do want to echo some of what was said, if he doesn't believe in it at all, you know, that there, if, it, if it's just like, there is no way I'm going to be set free, then yeah, you might have to make that decision. And I also want to say this, most of this broadcast has been about pastors. We've been speaking to pastors, but understand that casting out demons was the command that Christ gave to all believers. And so do not make the mistake that Alexander, Isaiah, like we're, Mike, we're the professionals. Let's leave it up to the professionals because you missed the whole point. And so here's the thing. I'm going to read this comment. Somebody commented, said, Pastor Mike just cast out my demons last Friday on his broadcast. And it was amazing. <laughs> so it's like through a phone, somebody got deliverance. And, but here's my point. Nobody scheduled it in my schedule. Nobody told me to do it. I, other than Jesus Christ, and I obeyed him, and I'm casting demons out. Sometimes, and this is the last thing I want to say towards that, sometimes if your pastor, let's say your pastor has an emphasis on healing, physical healing, or an emphasis on evangelism, or an emphasis on the prophetic, but maybe not deliverance, maybe you fulfilling that, that call that all believers have to cast out demons will ignite something inside of him. Because sometimes there's inspiration. We don't want to partner with Jezebel. We don't want to manipulate. But sometimes you just being a believer and doing what God called you to do, because a lot of times we can get that posture of like, what's pastor doing? What's pastor? I will say this, especially during this pandemic, there has been so much of that Jezebel spirit rampant in churches because I want pastor to teach on this now. You know, I want to hear from social justice Jesus. I want to hear from philosopher Jesus. But when you install the true and living Jesus, you've got to obey and listen to him. So just start there with doing what he said to do and inspire your pastor through your own works. And I want to also add this. If you're a pastor and you're saying, you know what, I'm amped up, I'm fired up and I'm ready. But kind of like, how do I start? Let, let me let me let me just say this, like, because I know when I started, 
my first my first initial fear was once I got beyond the teaching part and I embraced it theologically and I understood it, and then it becomes the practical application. I began to get worried, like I don't know what I'm doing, like I, I, I don't know how to I don't know how to do this, like how, what, what do I do? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Watch this. You know what I love about Luke chapter ten, that the apostles and the seventy that he commissioned on their first mission. Watch this, y'all. Jesus didn't go with them. Jesus didn't go with them. They went on their own. And I am sure, you want to know why they came back rejoicing? Because they were laughing that it worked without them even not knowing what they were doing. Yeah, I'm sure that. they were coming back saying, I didn't have no, let me tell you something. It's very easy for pastors to micromanage, but not in the ministry of deliverance. In the ministry of deliverance, it is total dependence on the Holy Spirit. And even if you stutter, even if you say, come out in the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. It will work if you work it. Why? Because heaven will meet you at your place of ignorance because of your willingness. And this is why, pastor, I'm going to tell you, the first time I uh, did a deliverance session, this is a true story and I hope this will encourage you. I got embarrassed halfway through. I thought I was sounding foolish. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I was helping a, a woman get delivered who happens to be a pastor's wife this day, right? Um, um, hmm. I, was, I was conducting the deliverance and for a split second, I got caught up with, maybe I'm not saying it right. Maybe the wording is wrong. And out of nowhere, a spirit of embarrassment gripped me that in the middle of the session, I walked away. I walked away and I went like to, to, back to my office. And my wife was like, what are you doing, Alex? And you know what I told her? I said, don't you ever put me to do deliverance ever again. And you know what she said? She said, Alex, what are you talking about? Look on the floor. And the woman was delivered. Come on. The woman was delivered. The Listen to me. What I thought that I was sounding foolish and all this Christian evangelical superstition that I had in my head about you could make sure you say the right words, make sure you call it out by name, make sure you do this and make sure you do that. I'm here to tell you deliverance is not a formula. It's a name. Deliverance is not a formula. There's no cookie cutter formula. It's a name. It's a name. That's it. And, and, and while I'm sitting there, I literally was like, I'm never going to do that ever again. My wife was like, Alex, you are talking foolishness. Look at the woman. And when I looked, she was in her right mind, restored. And after that, I just learned something that I learned from a pilot. A pilot that I know said this, and I'll end with this as my closing remarks. He said this. I asked him, I said, how did you get your license to, to fly? He flies JetBlue now, right? Um, he's a Christian saved, right? Um, uh, and he said this. He said, a pilot gets his license by how many hours? they actually do in the air, that their authority increases by how many hours. And even to this day, a pilot only has a certain amount of hours that they can actually be in the air. And the Holy Spirit gave me a revelation. He said, son, your authority uh, and your demand for an anointing for deliverance will only increase by doing deliverance. As you keep doing it, as you keep doing it, it, as you keep doing it, as you keep doing it, as you keep doing it, you get better at it. You start learning some things or two. Trial and error becomes your greatest teacher in the beginning. But guess what? 
You're not alone. You have me. You have Isaiah. You have uh, Pastor Mike, Pastor Vlad. You have other deliverance ministers. And I learned that, that the more that I keep doing it, the better I get at it. And the better I get at it, the more the ignorance of doing it begins to subside, begins to subside. But what about if you make a mistake? Make the mistakes. Watch this. Yes. I'd rather you, Pastor, make mistakes in a house surrounded by people who love you, Say it. which is your church, which is your leaders, then come to another church where they call you a false prophet. No, you make the mistakes surrounded by people who love you. And guess what? Afterwards, you talk about it and laugh about how foolish you look doing it. But everybody was saying, <laughs> but pastor, you look funny talking about it. Look at the way you said it. But then everybody ends up saying, but pastor, the person got delivered. Come on. The person got set free. Pastor, go for it and let grace clean up the mess and mop it up in Jesus' name. So good. And I want to say, I know two things uh, just to touch on what you guys said. I've had a group of people that have gotten saved through your guys' broadcast, my broadcast. We've obviously seen lots of salvations that don't have a church. Like there's people that got saved that are already in a church. There's other people that don't have a church. And they're like, Isaiah, there's no churches that do spirit-filled, deliverance, all that. And they're literally have started a home church and they play our broadcast, all three of our broadcasts as their church service. And they started a home community church. If that's what you need to do, then do that. But what we're trying to say is just do something. And I'll, I'll say to what you just said, I, tonight, this broadcast, okay, I think has been my favorite ever because just to have all four of you, we're talking about my favorite topic, deliverance, ministry, my heart for pastors. If I had this, listen, if I right. had this, when I first started doing deliverance, I would have, I don't know what I would have done. I would have been at the edge of my seat, hanging on to every word. You guys are getting, and I'm not tooting my own horn, filet on on these teachings and these broadcasts. So cling on to the word because my first deliverance, I didn't know what to do. I got on top of the person and started choking them literally because I thought there was a demon in her throat and I thought, well, we're going to choke the demon out of her because I didn't know it was not physical. I thought it was physical. So, you know, I was a week ago at a beer pong tournament and a week later I'm casting demons out. So I don't know what I'm doing, but thankfully I had men of God around me that are like, okay, don't physically choke the person, get the demon out, get off of her. But you know, I didn't have anybody to share with me or teach me you're going to make mistakes but guess what you can always clean it up there's no i tell my team this there's not one thing you guys can do that i can't clean up i would rather shoot the shot and miss than to sit on the sidelines and say i wish i would have tried i wish i would have done this so i would challenge all of you now of course we also have churches on the deliverance map so if you're like we have over 50 people listen to this all in la over 50 in just LA on the deliverance map with several churches. So if you need a deliverance church, you can also find those. I know Alexander's church is on the map. You can find those on the map as well and find a body to be a part of or start your own. Or again, like we said, use this as a supplement in your diet because remember the hand doesn't say to the eye, we don't need you. The eye doesn't say to the hand, we don't need you. And we need to be careful that we don't start talking about other ministries negatively and saying we don't need you because there's a place for every part of the body. We've been on this thing. We've been teaching on deliverance because there's a major deficiency in the body of Christ. And if there's a vitamin A deficiency, the doctor's not going to say take more vitamin C. They're going to say you need more vitamin A. So we've been going after it. I would challenge more of you pastors to get on board and to teach and to share. With all that being said, Mike, I don't know if you have any closing remarks um, that you wanted to share before we end. Yeah, this has been incredible. I'm just going to keep it very One of the best ways to develop your relationship with the Holy Spirit is to do work with him straight up. I mean, here's the thing. So many Christians have become lethargic 
If you take in more yeah. calories than you burn, Say it. you get fat and lethargic. If you just are living from teaching to teaching, inspiration to inspiration, and not metabolizing that into kingdom work, you're going to become lethargic. Or worst case scenario, you become religious and pharisaical. And one thing that will humble you, and this is what we've all said, is getting yourself into a situation where you're in over your head because then you've left room for the Holy Spirit. And every single one, you all know what I'm talking about. I mean, I, the first time I was doing deliverance, the woman slunched, she kind of slouched over like it was over and she's laying there and I'm like, okay, I guess it's done. And the Holy Spirit said, no, son, those demons are hiding. No one taught me. No one mentored me. It was the Holy Spirit in that moment said, no, they're hiding. And just in boldness, I said, demon, I know you're still there. You're hiding. And then all of a sudden she just started this crazy demonic laughter. <laughs> And everyone jumped back and I was like, wow, I get, you know, so these adventures that I'm on with the Holy Spirit, these are adventures when I'm in California, Chicago, New York, other countries in my own streets. I mean, what caused me to go viral during the pandemic was me casting out demons on my phone, walking the streets of New York City on Facebook and people sharing it. Here's my point. I'm on an adventure with the Holy Spirit. I do the kind of ministry where I need him and it surpasses my intellect. It surpasses my experience. I need him. He's the team member. And so if you're watching this, I pray that God is stirring up a holy desire inside of you right now, a hunger inside of you to say, I'm ready. Come on. Well, that was an hour and 45 minutes. We're on part one. Praise the Lord. We'll have to do this again. We're all, like I said, good friends. To close it out, Alexander, if you would pray. I want to, listen, guys, we pray every broadcast. We'll pray again Friday. Um, Mike's live every day. Alexander's live. We're all praying. We're all praying for deliverance. Tonight, I want to focus on those that are wanting to do deliverance. Make sure they feel the calling, the pastors. I know because I've seen you in the chat, and I know you. I know you. So I know you're in here. Don't try to hide. But I just want to pray, Alexander, if you would just pray a prayer of empowerment, impartation, that God would just release his Holy Spirit into these churches and into these pastors and whatever else you'd want to pray. But I would love to just end with a prayer just to encourage these pastors watching. Well, one of the, one of the things I want to say before we actually pray is this one final thing I want to encourage the pastors is this. If you feel like you're overwhelmed uh, in embracing this revelation of deliverance, but you are willing, we are more than willing to come to your church and do a school of deliverance to be able to at least point you in the right direction. That's been my passion. I've been traveling the country. I'm gonna be in California next week uh, for the next seven days uh, doing deliverance in Southern Cali. Um, and my heart and my passion is to kind of help pastors kind of maybe break the ice a little bit and kind of launch them in the way. And I think that's what I wanna, my, my literal last concluding comments is this, is I wanna help pastors break the idea that they might have to facilitate it themselves. Yeah. It's okay to it's okay to request for help. It's okay to ask for reinforcements. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, mm. I pray that every pastor, every leader, every elder, every shepherd of a group of people, every bishop, Lord, every apostle, every prophet, every regular Christian, not into titles, but it's overseeing and facilitating souls either at a church building, in their home, or at the marketplace, in their jobs, and deliverance is breaking out, Father. I am praying, Lord, that you would thrust them. Let there be a propulsion, Lord. Propel them, Lord to break out of the shell, to break out of the shell, to break out of the shell of mediocrity, to break out of the shell of fear, to break out of the shell of ritual, to break out of the shell of tradition, to break out, Lord, and to begin to 
a develop an intimacy with you, Holy Spirit, to be able to guide them in this territory that is unfamiliar to them. And also, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would break fear of them connecting to wrong ministries that are false. Lord, allow them to be open and willing to connect with the right ministries that are of you, Lord. Father, I break the fear of false Holy Spirit, the fear of yeah. false apostle and false deliverance and false yeah. Everything false, the fear of it being not of the Holy Spirit mm. or the fear of them embracing Kundalini spirit and all these, yeah. these fears of what if it's not the Holy Spirit and it's not of God. Father, break them out of that and allow them to see that which is true, that which is a virtue, that which is a praise. If there be any, any good report, open their eyes to see, Lord, that they are that they that be with them, Lord, are th more than they that be against them, Lord. Break them out of that, Lord, and break them out of that theological box that they are living in, Lord, and let them explore, Lord, and break out of that, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, I release every pastor, I release every bishop, I release every average believer that is sensing the call to deliverance, Lord. Break them out of that, Lord, and launch them forward, Lord, with no fear, no doubt, and no disbelief, Lord. We break the spirit of doubt, disbelief, discouragement, and unbelief, Lord, that would hinder them from propelling them to the next thing that you're guiding them forward into lord in jesus mighty name amen. amen amen so good guys we are believing listen we went an hour and 51 minutes and i was like maybe we'll go 45 minutes I feel like we're just warming up the engine here, guys. Incredible. I want to do it again. Thank you guys so much for being on. Um, Alexander, I'll start with you. Let us know when are you streaming? Where can they find you? I know I've linked you in the description and in the description on Facebook. And then I'll, I'll shoot it to you, Mike, just so they can get connected with your guys' ministries as well. Well, awesome. You guys know exactly where to find us, Alexander Pagani Ministries, both on Facebook and on YouTube. I'm so grateful for Isaiah to really encourage me on YouTube. YouTube has been really taking off. Hello. People have been joining the church or coming through because of the YouTube ministry. But I really want to invite everyone to really let's build up uh, our Facebook following because I'm going to be, for those of you, again, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to be in California next week, April 13th, all the way to the 19th. So we're going to be out there and I want you guys to meet up with me in SoCal while we're out there. And the only way you're going to be able to find that information will be on, will be on um, Facebook. But Facebook I also page. want to say this. I also want to say this is if you want to start off, Pastor, I want to encourage you to buy our book, The Secrets to Deliverance of awesome place to start uh, this revelation. Pastors and leaders are doing deliverance and learning about deliverance. What's crazy is, and I throw this out that I haven't told Isaiah is, is that one of the big worship ministries that are online right now, and I can't say their name, the head director got a hold of my book, reached out to me and asked me if I would go to his church and take all of his worship team and everyone that's there through personal deliverance. So I am here to tell you that deliverance is breaking out yeah, in the evangelical churches, in the mega ministries. They are hungry for it. Do not assume that all of them have apostatized and are mammon hungry. No, there is a revival. There is a revival that is happening right. in the body of Christ with the influential ministries that God has allowed them to have such a platform. So guys, I love you. Isaiah, I love you. Pastor Mike and Pastor Appreciate Vlad, you, I love you. I can't wait to do this again. Yes, yes. Pa Pastor Mike, where can we find you at? Yeah, this is incredible. First of all, so many of the live alone through the I want to thank you for representing tonight. And I want to encourage everybody, follow Isaiah, 
follow Alexander, follow Vlad, honestly, fortify your soul mm. because they've got so much to bring. Uh, for those of you who don't know, yeah, I mean, uh, like my Facebook page, Instagram, YouTube. I've also been going after YouTube as well. I do daily broadcasts just to check in. I feel like fathers can't be perfect, but they can be present. Good. And I'm just a spiritual father, a spiritual dad. So I show up every single day if you want to see me there. Awesome. Well, guys, listen, I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. And thank you. I know it's eight. It's 11 o'clock for you guys. So we'll talk soon. I'm going to text you guys right when I get off of here. We'll talk soon. Love you guys. All love right. You, God man. bless. Take care. Incredible. Guys, here's the thing. I want to encourage you to sow tonight. Do not dine and dash. I want to encourage you to sow. We're not going to take up a long offering as we never do. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.